1: Hello and welcome to another edition of The Wrap-Up Live, your live Toronto Raptors post-game show live on YouTube and on the Raptors Republic podcast network. After every game, I'm Oren Weisfeld and I'm joined by friend and colleague, Raptors Republic editor, Louis Zatzman. Louis, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Well,
0: I mean, as great as I could be after a game like that. Uh, personally great, prof- professionally frustrated, let's say.
1: Yeah, We're going to get into it. The Toronto Raptors just lost 104-118 to the Indiana Pacers, dropping their record to 7 and 6. Uh, they led for the majority of the game. They were outscored in the fourth quarter by a total score of 36 to 14. So why don't we start there, Lewis? Uh what what did what did you see go wrong for the Raptors in terms of Towards the end of the game, there is there anything that you that stood out to you in terms of something that the Raptors just didn't do good enough?
0: They can only win one way without Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Fleet, right? They need their identity to be the identity of the basketball game, they need to win offensive rebounds, they need to force turnovers, they need pace to be high. And that's really hard to control in the end of games and the playoffs. The Raptors are finding that out. They can win multiple ways with all their guys, but they're not going to outskill teams with the roster they have right now. And so they had it, they found it very difficult to close out.
1: Yeah. And, you know, there were some bright spots tonight for sure in terms of the bench, and we can get to those later. Um, but, yeah, you you said it like, The rebounding was an issue all night, and it's going to be an issue as long as Siakam and Precious aren't in the lineup. Uh, Three-point shooting, they got outshot 19-7 to in that department uh, from an Indiana team that, you know, I thought Indiana, this is kind of cliche on the second night of a back-to-back to to just kind of blame it on the legs and whatnot, but Indiana has a really young athletic team, and I thought they just kept pushing, kept pushing, and getting out on the break, and and like getting these open threes through their transition offense and the Raptors I thought they did they made a really sustained like a clear effort at the beginning of the game to drive to the paint and to get to the rim and then by the time the second half came on the only guy I really saw doing that was OG Ananobi like otherwise guys just started settling for shots and I don't know like when it comes to some of that rim pressure stuff, is there any way to manufacture that for the Raptors with these guys out, given the type of player Trent and Barnes are like, is there anything maybe the coaching staff can do in order to manufacture more rim pressure?
0: Yeah. I mean, you can get creative with some sets. Nurse, um, nurse didn't do a ton of that tonight, which, which isn't a big deal. Um, Well, you can also change the rotation, right? Like Gary Trent, which you mentioned is not going to pressure the rim. That's not what he's in there for. He is one of the absolute best jumpers in the league. When it's not falling, what's he giving you? So, uh, you know, if Otto Porter had closed, I mean, he, he if they had had someone closing instead of Trent, uh, who was able to pressure the rim, maybe a Utah Watanabe type uh, or Delano Banton, even because he had a really strong game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then that manufactures a little bit of rim pressure. Uh, if Scotty Barnes is healthy, you know, there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of uh, a lot of changes you can make. But ultimately, this Raptors team, without the the guys they have, and with Scotty hurting, and with Gary Gary in a cold slump, this is one of the least talented teams in the league. That's reality. It's hard to win basketball games like that.
1: Yeah, I think people don't realize like how thin, thin the margins are, and so yeah. they'll hear you say that and be like, what? Come on, there's still a lot of talent on this team. But no, I absolutely agree with you, Like, especially with Fred also out for this game with an illness, but even just with Siakam out, you lose your best player, you're really in a talent deficit the majority of games you walk into. Um, But before we go, before we do move on to the positives, because there were some positives for this game. Like, I want to ask you about Gary Trent Jr.'s season. Either you can take the season or you can take these last few games where he's kind of had to do more with Siakam out and hasn't really stepped up to the plate. Just what have you thought about what he's done on both ends of the season? Has it looked different to you from the way he closed last season or, or is it similar?
0: Not really. I think it it looks similar. His entire game is based around his jumper, right? He, He just has one of the absolute best jumpers in the league. That's not an exaggeration. You know, pulling up off the catch, it's crazy how good he is at shooting the basketball. Guys like that go through slumps. That's totally normal. Clay Thompson misses threes too. But the thing about that is he just hasn't developed enough counters to take advantage of that jumper. When he's run off the line, I mean, he has that little inside hand scoop shot. He has a push shot now, like a little bit of a floater. But those aren't efficient counters. You know, like Pascal Siakam, for example, if you take his spin move away, he can go to that left, put it up on the other side of the rim, and that's like a, that's an automatic shot if you're cheating on the spin move. That's like money in the bank. If teams take away Gary Trent's jumper, where's the money? I just don't see where the Raptors are going to get any advantage if they take Trent's jumper away. And and that's the thing about the NBA. You can take anything away. Like, it's crazy how high level, both from a strategic standpoint and from a physical athletic standpoint, defenses are in the NBA. Even bad defenses like the Indiana Pacers. You can take anything away. And what are the Raptors going to do? What's Trent going to do? And I think that's the same this year as last year, because the answer so far is a
1: resounding nothing when you take his job. Yeah, I think that's a good point about counters. And I think that's why I'm a little disappointed in the season he's having, just because you go into an off season and you hope, and you know the Raptors coaching staff is telling him like, these are the things you got to work on. you got to come back and do this a little bit better, do this a little bit better. And, like you said, he's just not doing. He's he's he has the exact same offensive game, and I hoped with Siakam out because really he's playing a lot more off ball when when Siakam was in this year than he did last year, mostly spotting up. But but now with Siakam out, he's. I hoped with getting these additional opportunities, he would showcase that. Okay, no, like put the ball in my hands, and I, as the game goes on, especially I will show you these counters. I will show you that my game has developed a little bit. And it, it's not there. And I think that's another like thing that frustrates me is cause when he does drive to the rim, I feel like his foul rate per drive or like is high. Like I feel like good things happen when he drives, but he is so reluctant to drive. He will do yeah. it once a game. Like and, and then like today he drove a couple of times. He got two he got to the line um four times, I think, just cause two drives, and I was just like all right, let's see him do that again. And he never did it again. And it's like one of those things that's just frustrating for me.
0: Well, he's just not strong enough to create those driving lanes. And one thing I think this tells me about about (laughs) Gary projecting forward, because Fred will be back. Pascal will be back. The Raptors will be super talented once again. And and with those guys on the court, Gary looks way better. Of course, because he gets... Uh, way more shots. But to me, this game is the perfect example why it's not cut and dry that you can just take Gary off the bench. Because when he's playing alongside the best players, he's getting open shots. Because what are you going to choose? Giving up a a Pascal drive or giving up a Gary shot? That creates hesitation in the defense. That's not an obvious answer. So he gets a lot of open jumpers. That's how he scores 18 a game because he's playing alongside these talented guys. But if he's coming off the bench... Defenses say, oh, yeah, you take the jumper away, and and then what? Which is what we saw tonight. I think Gary is a guy where the, the context of the team, and I wrote this piece over the offseason, could not be more beneficial to him. And if you change that context, either by having Pascal Hurt or by taking Gary off the bench or even by adding in another shooting guard, lots of ways to change context, it's not that easy to maximize Gary, and we saw that tonight.
1: Yeah. Uh, before we get into some positives, I want to talk a bit about the end of the game. Not, not to be, not to be the ref guy, but, uh, I, I just wanted to show this cause I have the clip. Um, I do get frustrated when a ref overturns a call and it's wrong. Like if you're going to overturn a call, you have to be sure. Uh, like if you're going to overturn a different ref's call and that's what happened on the over and back. And then Halliburton hit this shot and, and it was kind of a dagger after a moving screen, unfortunate I don't really have anything to say about the repping because I thought the Raptors actually were on the right side of that for the first half of the game I do want to talk about I mean this is a segue to OG Ananobi who was great today and I think one thing that frustrates me all season is that Nurse is really hesitant to put OG on the best players until I've noticed two or three minutes left in the game that's usually the mark where he calls that that timeout with you know a bit more than three minutes left um, and then he puts OG on a Tyrese Halliburton, and you know in this possession, I think uh, I think Scotty started on him, and they got a switch. Yeah, like do you do you get frustrated in the same way with OG? Like some people will go Galaxy Brain, and they're like, well, they, he he wants OG to you know be at the be the help side, the low man, all that stuff. But it's like, wouldn't you just rather stop the penetration in the first place? And this is something that just keeps happening this season. And it's like, why aren't we putting our best defender on the opposing team's best player sooner?
0: Yeah, you know, I see both sides of the equation. The Galaxy Brain stuff for sure. I actually (laughs) like that stuff. But the other thing (laughs) is uh, when you have OG not on the best player, that encourages static offense because they don't want to switch. They don't want to run sets because that'll unlock Ananobi you know he's mm-hmm. in passing lanes and also his best defensive skill is actually stunting and recovering i think even better than how how good he is on ball and that's unlocked off ball so I, you know og is so good defensively you want him everywhere you want him off ball you want him on ball so uh you know off ball i actually think um can hurt offenses more especially ones where there aren't you know if you're playing luka doncic put him on luka the whole game i i i think that's obvious but do you really want him on Halliburton all game? I think that's maybe a big ask, especially in the pick and roll against a small player like that, where he's used to navigate yeah. in tight spaces around screens. So uh, yeah, I, I have no issue with how Nurse used OG tonight. Although I think your point in other games might be better taken.
1: Okay. Yeah, no, I, and I'm not asking for it to be all game, but I, I am more asking for it to be like all of the fourth quarter kind of thing. And that's yeah. just me. Yeah. That, that's my complaint with the clutch time defense. I'm wondering if you have any complaints or just things that stood out with the clutch offense. Because as I, I like when Siakam was injured, the first thing Nick said was, I'm worried about how we're going to score in the clutch, right? Which is obvious. Uh, it hasn't been good through the first few games. Again, they scored 13, how much? 17 points tonight in the fourth quarter. 14 points in the fourth quarter. Third try is a charm. So yeah, what are you seeing in the clutch offense? And is there anything you wish the Raptors would go to more?
0: Yeah. The paint touches are just, they're, they're brutal, right? They're not getting anything in the paint and the Raptors are um, what's a diplomatic. They have to be creative in how they touch the paint. Um, Scotty's not turning the corner right now on guys. And that's something he hasn't done his entire career, right? His definitive play last year was the fake handoff keeper play. That just goes to show this guy's not turning the corner into isolation. That's not the type of player he is. That's, Fine. That's not a criticism. Everyone Mm. has their different strengths. Uh, And with Fred out, that's a paint touch. With Pascal out, that's a paint touch. And so what they were doing early in the game was really hitting ahead in pace off makes or misses. Uh, Scotty was really good about throwing those, you know, quick get-off-the-ball passes just to keep it moving. Um, Cuts, an easy way to hit the paint. Post-ups, an easy way to hit the paint. Offensive rebounds. And all of that died in the clutch, right? They couldn't hit ahead because Indiana was offensive rebounding, so they had to crack back to get the rebound. They weren't posting up. I thought they should have. That was actually a choice. Uh, I think they really should have been posting up a lot more, particularly Ananobi. Um, they weren't cutting. It, it was a lot more static. It was It was just a really um, – uh, they went away from their strengths, and it's a team – you know, as currently constructed with the injuries, without enough strength so that they can go away and still find success.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of the problem is that that, that transition hit ahead stuff is going to naturally die at the end of the game because yeah. teams kind of feel they have to play slower. Um, I think the post ups is yeah. where I would go too, though. Like, I, I'd like to see, you, you know, people remember the auto porter got a post up in this game yep. and he got fouled with like three minutes left. Uh, that was a really simple st- thing, and and OG when he was getting the ball, it was more so on the perimeter. And like, granted, he did hit that pull up three, but we know where OG's strength is. So yeah, I think I think the post is is a good thing that they can go to in these games without Siakam. Um, let's talk about OG. He had 26 points. He always plays well yes. in Indiana. Something about the air. <laughs> Nine of 16 from the field two rebounds, three assists, um, he kept them in this game for, for yeah, for the whole game pretty much. Uh, is there, I mean, the conversation with OG all season has been like, yeah, we know he's a 3 and D player, but what, what is he doing on the ball? People have been frustrated. Um, feels to me like he's just in a great rhythm offensively on both ends of the floor of course but like yeah. is there anything you're seeing from him maybe now that you didn't see at the beginning of the season in terms of his on-ball juice that that is allowing him to have success
0: yeah so i wrote this in the um the um the rockets game i wrote a piece about his his driving um because the thing about his driving you you always wonder do i focus on the process or on the results and for og The results are quite poor driving-wise. Statistically, he's shooting poorly. Um, The Raptors are not scoring well when he's driving, statistically. But process-wise, he's been phenomenal. He, even more than Pascal, and this I don't have um, stats to back up. This is really just my eye test. But more than anyone else on the Raptors, he is getting deep in the paint every time he drives. Um, Mm -hmm. I asked Nick about that after the Rockets game. He gave a really good answer. Um, He talked about his strength. Um, He talked about his usage of angles. And he talked about um, one other thing. I forget what it was. Um, And the other thing is uh, guys want him to drive because he is such a good shooter. You know, people are playing really high up on him. So that catch and go stuff, he's really advantageous circumstances well to drive. And so the process has been so strong that the results had to come. And tonight was the... um, Sort of the the turn of the wave, right? You saw the high water mark of the um, the awkwardness sort of fade away, and what was left behind when the water water drifted was just success. Um, you know, biomechanically, his like his energy transfer was great um, from that horizontal driving to like the vertical up in the air. He made really quick, decisive moves to get in the air and finish, um, and that's against one of the best shop blockers in the league, in Miles Turner. Right. This is not against a, a nobody front court like the Rockets have, where there's just no one protecting the rim. This is against Miles Turner. That is no joke. And he was phenomenal driving. Like all the other stuff, look, the step back three, amazing. The pull ups, fantastic. You know, the steal and dunk, love it. But the driving is where his stardom will, will come from. Right. He has all the stuff. If he's going to be a star, it'll be looking like he did tonight. It was phenomenal.
1: Mm hmm. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to figure out what your tweet you were trying to say in your tweet with the arrows, but now I understand better. <laughs>
0: oh yeah, yeah, the the, with the yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like the thing about Turner is a good point because that's what I wanted to say is like he's so unafraid to drive right now. In the past, you would see this hesitancy when, like, say he came off a pin down and and there was there was a lane to the rim you would all and you would often see him settle for a three or or, or even like a, a long two. And now he is driving. I don't have the stats, but like it just feels like he's taking the right shots in terms of either he's taking that three if it's open or he's driving and he's getting all the way to the rim. And then he's making decisions from there. But like he is it doesn't matter who's in front of him at the rim, because he's stronger than I would say 95% of the league anyways. He's driving yeah. every time he gets any angle or any lane to the rim and that that's a really welcome sign because like when you project far out, because like that shows that he's comfortable with the ball handling aspect of things it shows that he's comfortable passing out of those tight spaces it shows that he's comfortable finishing when he gets deep in the rim because a lot of the yeah like a lot of guys don't even look at the rim because of all of these factors against it um and and he has been a guy who in the past has often been like, you would see games where he would get called for a travel or he would get called for that offensive <laughs> push-off. And then he would – yeah, but then he would stop doing it, right? He would stop driving. Ah, and, and like, in, in, in this game, he, he was relentless attacking the rim. So, yeah. that's uh, – And I want to build awesome.
0: on that strength point because that was a really good point. I mean – and strength is, you know, an objective describer, um, but it's hard to weaponize, right? If you're not moving, it doesn't matter how strong you are. Because it just, you're, you're not touching anyone. The strength means nothing. And a lot of OG's drives, exactly what you said, he would, he would stop to gather himself or he would pull out, he would hesitate. And you can't weaponize your strength like that. It doesn't mean anything. But if you go straight from horizontal to vertical, your strength becomes unstoppable. That's Zion's superpower, right? right. He is both the strongest and the most fluid mover, which weaponizes that strength the best you possibly could. And you saw that tonight for OG completely unbothered by any challenge because he was so fluid at using that strength into guys. And and that's the big thing. He's so strong. How does he make that strength work for him without just running over dudes and getting offensive fouls?
1: Yeah. And it's still a work in progress, but it's come a really long way from when he used to get called for that offensive foul like every time. Like now he's making the contact in terms of like pushing off if you want to call it. He's making that contact and then taking the two steps to the basket and and uh, earlier he used to like make that contact at the end of his drives which was a exactly. big part of the problem. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I've I've written about this in the past too. It's it's a work in progress for OG but like I remember coming into the season and the conversation was largely like Scotty has to be the guy who takes all these on ball reps And takes a big step and I pushed back and I was like wait a minute like he's a second year player like OG is not done developing and I I still you know I still believe in OG making this leap and I think what we've seen so far this season is OG growing into that clear number three role on the team behind Fred and, and Pascal and Look, like what's happened recently is not ideal in terms of injuries and stuff, but if there is a a big silver lining so far this season, I actually think it's just what OG's done on both ends of the floor.
0: And the other thing about that is Scotty looks so much better when he is allowed to buzz in and out of plays, you know, flit in with the cut and whip the ball the other side, duck in for a dunk, be a connector, right? To me, mm-hmm. he is more Kyle Lowry than he is Kawhi Leonard. And yeah. when he has Pascal creating all of that space for him, that's when he's scoring twenty five points a game. Not when he has to create the, spo- the, the space for his teammates. And, and you see that. I mean, sure, it's the ankle, and you know, you can talk about mindset or, or shot selection, whatever, whatever you want to discuss. Sure, but the biggest thing for me, he looks unbelievable next to Pascal Siakam Mm -hmm. and he looks a little overmatched when he's not next to him. That's fine. That's, that's totally normal, but it speaks to exactly what you're saying. If you want to talk about, you know, hierarchy and the Raptors are very fluid about this, it'll change possession possession game to game. But you know uh, if, if you just want to generalize it, yeah, I do see Scotty as that guy who gets uh, you know, more, or OG is that guy who gets more on ball touches in the pick and roll second side driver. And Scotty is that connecting piece because that's where he is able to lift the ceiling the highest. And he's not on ball right now.
1: Yeah, and I talked about this after yesterday's game. Is like everyone was mad at Scotty, but your expectations are your own fault. Like if you expected Scotty to come into this season and be a guy who, oh, like Pascal's out now. Scotty's the number two option, the ball dominant guy and have a lot of success you just weren't watching Scotty last season there wasn't evidence that he could do that and maybe he will be able like i'm very high on scotty but he's 21 years old 20 years old like that's just an unrealistic ask i just in terms of this game i thought he bounced back really nicely from last night you saw from the very start him just making an effort to get into the paint Um, he was communicating on defense, just like playing really, really hard. And that's all you really wanted to see after last night, the disappointing effort. Uh, Do you have any last thoughts on the game or the Raptors?
0: Um, Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about the the backup point guard play because, you know, these guys, Delano and Malachi have not been getting minutes. They've been inconsistent. They've been taking minutes from each other playing together. They looked really good,
1: huh? Yeah. Better than they have in the past, for sure. You see them like, skeptical. In the past, well, just every time I used to see them together in the past, I was it was like, okay, it must be garbage time or something, because it was just not a good luck. I did note to myself during this game, like, huh, like, okay, neither of these guys are necessarily playing great this season, but this is definitely an improvement in the fact that they're playing long minutes together and actually having success. Like I do remember noting that to myself, but definitely too small of a sample size for me to be like, yeah, this can work long term together. What do you?
0: Oh see? yeah, I mean I'm not trying to project forward uh, because there's just not minutes for them to play together when everyone's healthy, right? Like, Fred's 38 minutes were, <laughs> were distributed around tonight, um, yeah. but you know, just in terms of descriptive, not not um, predictive. Really fun game from them. Banton so confident with his jumper, Malachi the same. Uh, I was really impressed with them when they when they had their role change and and be able to play with it.
1: Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense in terms of the roles they're asked to play and now they feel more comfortable in it where like Banton is now more of like this off-ball finisher type. Uh the Raptors have asked him to be and Malachi has been more of like a traditional point guard. Uh, who handles more of the ball. So they make sense together uh, for sure. It's just really like Malachi came in this game and I forget what the exact play was, but he had just a defensive breakdown. Um, Maybe he forgot to box out or something. And and he got a quick pull and I was worried we weren't going to see him again because they needed him in a night like this. But then he got that second chance and he really ran with it. Definitely the best night of Malachi's season. So I'm happy I'm happy for him. Delano's jump shot has come a really long way. Um so yeah, I mean they gotta keep building on this performance for sure. Like the problem with these two is that they have one good game and then the next game is like a dud. And that's what keeps that's what the pattern has been. So that's why I'm so skeptical. But I hope so. I hope next game they'll build on it.
0: Well, it's because they all need someone to create for them, right? Banton looks totally overmatched when he is asked to handle the ball. But as a second-side guy, he's not bad. You know, catch and shoot jumpers and drive and get to the rim. The team is missing just Pascal. It's built around Pascal. Without him, no one can do what they do. It's true for Barnes. It's true for Delano. It's true for everyone all the way down. And Precious is a guy who, you know, can do that sometimes for the bench. And Precious is gone. Mm -hmm. OG was able to do that with such success tonight that it looked good for the other guys around him at times, Delano, you know, in particular, Thad as well. Um, But it's just, I cannot, and we're both saying the same thing. We're spinning our wheels here much like the Raptors. Mm -hmm. This team is not built to be missing Pascal Siakam.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And Malachi can do some of that creation. So that's why they need to find him minutes. I think these next few games and, and give him extended chances to, help with the scoring because the scoring is just so hard to come by right now. Uh, quick shouts out to Juancho Hernan Gomez. I thought he was nice. He has surprising lateral speed. He, they keep putting him on guards, right? Like they, they put yeah. him on Shea yesterday in the boxing one. I'm like, that's an odd choice to put on Shea. Today he was on, um, I think, Halliburton for long stretches. And he just moves his feet so well. I didn't know he had that in his game. Um, so he was great and Boucher was great too. What's the Shaq meme?
0: I wasn't familiar with your game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only other guy I wanted to talk about was cuz I've never talked to you about him. Benedict Matherin. What do you think about him? Cuz I think he's insanely good for the like for his 10th NBA game. I can't believe it.
0: Man, his ability, he has what, you know, uh, most superstar wing players have which is the ability to be unbelievably strong, like, full-on, and super, um, like, manipulative tight spaces thin, right? It's the Giannis skill. Giannis is the biggest, strongest dude going full-on, but also the thinnest guy whenever he wants to get small and cre- mm. increase through tight spaces. Matherin can do that. Um, the jump shot's amazing. Like, oh, man. It's hard to project guys out right? Who knows what'll happen development wise, everything that'll change for a guy, but his ability to score right now, like you said, 10 games into the, into the, his NBA career. Unbelievable. So impressive.
1: Yeah. He's getting to the free throw line at like a ridiculous rate for a rookie. Let me just find uh, the actual numbers here. Okay. Why can I not find this? Um, He's getting to the free throw line 5.9 times a game coming off the bench. That's playing so 28 crazy. Minutes, playing 28 minutes a night. But that's to your point. Like he just finds these these tight lanes to get in, And he's so unafraid. Like he will challenge anybody. That's why I just pulled up this, this hilarious quote. Like when I saw this quote, I was like, this guy's insane. And yeah. now that I've seen him play, I'm like, yeah, that, that matches up pretty well with the way he plays. Like, He'll he'll challenge anyone in front of him. Um, yeah, it's it's crazy how good he already is. Uh, that's all. That's all I really want to say about that. Eighteen percent
0: like, of his shots he gets fouled on. By the way.
1: Yeah, this is something I was just saying the other day. Is like I talked to his coaches for this story at Sportsnet, and and it's true what they said is like he doesn't. A lot of young guards come into the league and will take like step back threes and just like try to show off their bag. Like watch Matherin. Either takes threes, usually catches two threes, or he sees a lane to the rim and he goes all the way to the rim and either gets fouled or lays it up. Like his shot selection and and just like inter just like the reads he's making are, are the reads that he knows he's good at making. He's not trying stuff that he's never tried before in the gym. Like every shot he takes yeah. is just like very clearly something that he's been working on. So. I think that's why he's having so much success in terms of like the percentages and stuff. It's just, he doesn't try to get out of his wheelhouse too much.
0: Yeah. It's, it's been a really impressive start to the year.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Played with Christian Coloco at Arizona for a couple of years. Canadian. Going to have a good career. Yeah. All right, Lewis, before I let you go, do you have any last things you wanted to talk about from this game, from the Raptors? Um, anything? You want hey, let positive? me go.
0: Don't we have some,
1: uh, don't we have some titles to give out? Oh. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Look at you, the the guest checking. I've been on you. this show before. <clears throat> this is true. We gotta give out the Can M taxman of the night. As the guest, you get to give it out. So usually we give it to a Raptors player, but if you really want to, you can give it to someone else. Who impressed you the most tonight?
0: Uh okay. Uh so in the past this was, you know, kind of Tiered right now, it's just like the straight out best, I believe. So that's how we're defining this. this so,
1: award. I mean, the award this season is basically it, the best player not named Pascal Siakam because he would have won every game when he played. So, we just like eliminated him from contention. And mm-hmm. I mean, either the person who plays above their expectations the most or just the best. And we'll just go with the best tonight, okay? So Look, it would
0: be OG. OG is obviously the best. But we talked about him, so I'm going to say Thad. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, He had, what, three or four identical moves in the post. That little spin baseline, lefty, like, quick release hook shot. Uh, The guy does what you need, right? Like, the Raptors are down scoring. They need a vet, a steady presence, and he brings scoring, even though that's not really a specialty. He was impressive.
1: Yeah, he's my favorite type of player, and like I'm not gonna harp on Nick Nurse for because this this is a pretty deep team and and they were winning games, so whatever. Like the fact that that was not in the rotation is whatever. But if he keeps doing this, once they get healthy, I really want to find him minutes in the in the healthy rotation because he's so good and he's at his best when playing with other guys who are really good. And I get that it's a little hard to find him minutes because like. They wanted Coloco for the the rim protection, and Thad doesn't do that. He's a different type of center. But find I, I, at the end of the day, you want your most talented players in the rotation. Yeah. So you got to find him minutes. So yeah, Thad Young, Can-Am Tax Taxman of the game. Visit CanAmTax.com or call the number at the top of your screen for all your tax needs because tax season is coming up, and this is the best way to get it done. You'll actually get back some money rather than doing turbo tax or something free, this is a way better option. Let me tell you, folks. So canamtax.com. All right, that's it. Lewis, anything anything you want to plug? I know you wrote a story at 538 today. Go for it.
0: Yeah, I uh, wrote a piece about trading um, stars. See in the chat, a lot of people are talking about trading um, everyone on the Raptors. Uh, so yeah, I looked at uh, the history of star trades since 2013-14 in the NBA. Turns out they are not super successful. Uh, Usually bad for both teams, the team that trades away the star and the team that acquires the star. Uh, Ton of research into that one. Go check it out, 538. Super fun to write.
1: Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. And, like, the ones who've had the most success are kind of, like, I feel like the Boston model is, is a good one where it's, like, you trade for Derek white and Brogdon and you, you, you yeah. trade for like good players, but not quite like star level players. And so it was like drew holiday holiday. Like he's borderline a star. I know you use him as an example, but like, yeah, it seems to me that the better model is to use one asset here, one asset there on like slowly accumulating good players rather than throwing all your assets at one star.
0: Yeah. The Raptors were the one, uh, Counter example with Kawhi, but by and large, you can't trade for your best player. Your best player has right. to already be on your roster.
1: Do you think the Raptors, because they have Siakam, are uniquely set up to trade for a star?
0: Yeah, I think um, there's so many guys who would fit the bill. And and a comment there I see from John Smith. Um, I did I discussed Cleveland at length um, in the piece as well. Um, as to the Raptors, I think there's a uh, a lot of guys who would be really successful. The team, as we said, um, is missing creators—people who uh, create advantages, especially at the guard spot. People who can shoot on the you know off the dribble. And there's a lot of star level dudes who are you know getting traded around there. Mitchell's one of them. Looks amazing in Cleveland. Um, Shea Gilgis Alexander fits the bill as well. He's not really you know available to be traded for, but would have been phenomenal or would be if they ever trade for him. Um, You know, even a guy like Zach Levine, if Chicago uh, is not very good and decides they don't trust his knees, I think Zach Levine would be unbelievable for the Raptors Um, because the Raptors are built to take advantage of self-creators. A lot of teams are not a lot of self-creators languish for years and years with teams, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker until they got good. These guys put up 25 a night and just lose day in, day out because they don't have teams ready to win built around them. The Raptors do, right? If they traded for Mitchell, if they traded for Levine, whatever, they wouldn't be their best player. Pascal would be the best player. They have the defense built around them. They have they have the core. So I think um, if you wanted to read into the Raptors for this piece, you, you would have the available... Uh, you would have the uh, available structure to benefit from a star trade, whereas most
1: teams might not. Yeah. Mitchell is the one that might hurt uh, depending on what happens in terms of, you know, at the time I was like, yeah, the next star will come available. But if they don't, I, I do think Mitchell's asking price and how good he's been and just the effort defensively, all that stuff. It does hurt a little bit that the Raptors didn't get in there. I'm still hopeful that Katie becomes available again at some point soon. Uh my favorite not like trade that I was talking about earlier like not star but like smaller trade is Alex Caruso talking about the Bulls. Mm. That's a guy I think would be perfect off the Raptors bench as just like a ball handler who can get everyone involved and get everyone in their better spots and defensively like this system was made for Alex caruso I think. Like they they had they made it with him in mind. So that's my guy. Um anyways, we should get out of here. Thanks for joining me, Liz. Appreciate it. Um, as always thanks pleasure, all the Thank you. Yeah. Thanks to all the fans for listening on the podcast network, for watching on YouTube. Please like and subscribe to the show on YouTube and give us five stars on the podcast network. We'll be back on Monday night after the Raptors play Dwayne Casey's uh, Detroit Pistons after going own four against them last season. We'll see if they can, we'll see if they can put up a fight here. Okay. See you then.